Brown Girl Radiance celebrates the brilliance of women of color through reflective conversations and stories. I'm your host, Pure Brown Joy. Hello to all of my radiant friends. Happy Women's History Month. I hope that you've been able to celebrate all of the incredible women in your life who inspire you every day. We are continuing this journey on season three of Brown Girl Radiance podcast, where we are celebrating brown girls abroad. And I am excited to introduce you to my next guest. It was such a fun interview. But before we do that, I want to share that this is a milestone month for Brown Girl Radiance podcast. Three years ago, on March 12th, 2018, God woke me up on a Monday morning and told me to start a podcast. I had no idea what I was doing, so I got up and I googled how to start a podcast, and the rest is history. Or, since it's Women's History Month, should I say, herstory. I started recording episodes from May through August of 2018 with an amazing tribe of women who trusted my vision. And then in September of that year, I released the first episode. This current episode marks the 25th edition of Brown Girl Radiance Podcast. And there are listeners on every continent. This is currently a monthly podcast, and I promised myself last year, ahead of the pandemic and everything, during the year of 2020, that I wanted to publish an episode every month that year, and I did, despite all that the year brought. I still wanted to make sure that I was able to share some radiance with everyone The first season of the podcast was a love letter to the Black Panther movie as we celebrated the strength, intellect, and beauty of the women of Wakanda. Season two, I hosted the Michelle Obama Becoming Book Club. And during this current season, this third season, I've been highlighting Brown Girls Abroad. These are dynamic women who are missionaries, expats, globetrotters, nomads, and citizens of the world. So, to celebrate three years since God placed the vision for Brown Girl Radiance podcast on my heart, I wanted to share three things that you can do for free to support this podcast. First, if you are listening to this podcast on Apple podcast, please leave a review. I love hearing your feedback. Second, please make sure to share the podcast with a friend or a family member. And if there's a particular episode that you think would resonate with someone, please send it to them. Also, if you have an Instagram account, please make sure to follow me at Brown Girl Radiance Podcast. The third way you can support this podcast is through a platform that has been a labor of love 
and I'm so excited to share it with you. I just launched a new website. It is browngirlradiance.com. Again, that's browngirlradiance.com. Podcast is not included in the web address. It is simply browngirlradiance.com. You can listen to episodes there and you can also sign up to be a part of Brown Girl Radiance Nation. It's free and I promise I won't spam anyone with an abundance of emails. I'm just looking to build a community for my listeners, for my radiant friends as I like to call you. And this podcast is available for free on multiple platforms such as Spotify, Google, Pandora, and Amazon, just to name a few. I love delivering this quality content to you on a monthly basis. As you can imagine, it does come with production and maintenance costs. So if you feel led and you want to give a voluntary donation, no pressure at all. On the new website, there is a bright pink fuchsia link on the top right corner where you can sign up to give something if you feel led to do so. I am working on merchandise for the podcast, so donations would definitely help with expansion projects like that, as well as just other great things that are going to be coming in the future. And I know that I said I would give you three ways you can support to celebrate three years of Brown Girl Radiance, but I will actually offer one final thing. You can always pray for me. Prayers are always welcome on this podcast journey and also just for life in its totality. This vision did come from God, and so I want to always continue to invite him to be a part of this process. So thank you all for listening and for your continued support. I consider it an honor anytime someone chooses to listen to an episode. I know that your time is valuable, so I'm glad that you choose to spend a little bit of it with me at least once a month. As we are celebrating three years of Brown Girl Radiance, I want to give a special birthday shout out to my dad who turned 70 this month and he listens to every episode of the podcast. So now let's dive into the 25th episode of Brown Girl Radiance. I had an absolute blast interviewing my next guest, Asia Nichols. She and her husband, Russell, have been living as nomads for over 10 years, traveling the world, writing, creating, learning, loving, and house-sitting. This current episode is a little more extensive in length than the average one, but just consider it bonus content as part of celebrating three years of Brown Girl Radiance. I promise that it will be well worth your time, even if you have to break it up into two listening sessions. Here is my captivating conversation with Asia Nichols. I've had the opportunity to interview so many amazing brown girls abroad this season, from missionaries to expats to 
Globetrotters. And my next guest is a citizen of the world, an official nomad. She's an accomplished writer and creative. We met last year through her husband, who is a college friend uh, from FAMU, stand-up FAMU. Uh, And (laughs) during my first conversation with this guest, we actually talked for three hours because it was such rich dialogue. But I promise we won't talk for three hours today. And I'm very excited to welcome to Brown Girl Radiance Nation, Asia Nichols. Hey, LaJoy. Hey, Brown Girl (laughs) Radiance. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to share the space and be part of the Brown Girl Radiance family. My pleasure. I I know everyone's going to uh, enjoy uh, hearing your story today. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about yourself and your background with all of my radiant friends. That's what I like to call my listeners. Okay. Okay. Let me see about, about me. Um, I am, I've been on the road traveling since 2011. I never had any intention of, of, uh, so that never had any intention of traveling that long really was only supposed to be one, one year, but so much happened in that time that kept me, um, that told me I wasn't done. I wasn't done in the world. <laughs> so I have, I've been traveling with my husband, as you mentioned. You guys know each other from, from university. And um, right now we're house-sitting. House-sitting is what really kept us on, on the road, uh, house-sitting in Mexico. But we've been to um, Thailand, um, Nepal, um, India, time in um, Austria, just uh, in Kenya, recently in Kenya, which was amazing. And so in writing. So that's literally what, what I, I do is I, I travel the world, try to take some of those experiences that I am learning and um, write and write, try to write something, try to create a story and, and do some unpacking, unpack myself, things that I might not have explored in my youth have on the road been coming back to me. And so I am trying to put words to those experiences based on what I'm, I'm learning now. Uh, we're going to talk a about your writing in, in just a little bit. Um, but one want, want to clarify how many different countries have you visited as part of this, uh, nomadic lifestyle? I really, I really, really don't know. <laughs> I would have to say over, I mean, it has to be like over, like over 25, maybe over 25, but I've started after the first Four years, I started traveling very slowly because you can get worn out very easily from hopping from one place to the next. New cultures, new languages, just new climate. For me, I have eczema skin, right? So the climate, my skin talks to me each time I move into a new location. So I started traveling very slowly. And that means, slowly for me, means maybe staying in a location for six months versus moving every one to two months. Um and it also depends on, on how long I can stay um, based on the visa situation. So looking for countries where they have six-month visas is, is what I started doing. Like Mexico had a six-month visa. And, uh, yeah, so I think over 25. 
Wow. And you named, you named a few, uh, Kenya, <laughs> Thailand. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're going to, we're going to definitely, uh, hi- highlight, uh, some, some of those experiences as we go. Uh, and you just, you just mentioned this, but wanted to ask you about what kind of adjustments that you had to make, uh, when you decided to become this citizen of the world versus, settling permanently into one location? Hmm. So many. <laughs> so, many. so, so many. Um, I mean, for instance, and I mean, this is like one of the easiest things, but I have like a trunk full of clothes that I still have at my mom's house that's been sitting there for like, I don't know, the past 10 years. <laughs> and I keep thinking I'm going to return to it, but my lifestyle has shifted so much that I'm just going to have to give them all away. I would like literally carry around maybe three um, changes of clothes. Um, so my fashion <laughs> changed. I really used to, that was a part of me and my identity and I had to kind of reshape, reshape that. Um, so that was a big, that was a big part of getting to love myself and know myself outside of the accessories that I, that I, that I used to, to rock. Um, I really kind of stripped my life down a lot. So, um, for instance, I don't usually travel with a phone. We use, I use Skype, um, as my phone service and a lot of emails, but now with the pan, with the pandemic, I've decided to keep my phone so I can stay closely connected to family or for emergencies. Um, a lot of shifts. Let me see. Um, you can throw another question at me too. While you're thinking, I was just gonna say when you when you mentioned that you've had clothes in the trunk for ten years, I'm like, I Man. don't know if those clothes are still in style anymore. <laughs> no, they, they're classic. They're classic. They're classic. You know who knows. <laughs> Fashion today is, I, I think, definitely a, a more um, expansive in terms of the multiple decades, et cetera. So who knows? You, you might actually have something in there that you can wear because I know the 90s is really big right now and the 80s. And, yes. um, and I will tell you, this is, this is just anecdotal, but I love tie-dye. <laughs> like, and not that I have a tie-dye pieces, but, you know, I have a couple of tie-dye things. And, like, I just love it. And I'm a little annoyed that it's in style now because I'm like, I'm still going to wear it, even if y'all say that it's not fashion. (laughs) Do your thing. And that's literally what this lifestyle has taught me. Like, when it's cold, I can't, we do a lot of, like, tropical climate, but sometimes we might slip into somewhere where it's very, it's very cold. And instead of carrying around, because I've tried that before, a coat, I have, um, just layered up on the clothes that I have on my bag so that I'm not adding more weight to, to my travel. But, um, yeah, girl, yeah, I'll figure a way to use those clothes. You know, I'll, I'll make the match. I see that people are doing that. <laughs> I'll figure it out. But, um, that, I think that was, um, so that was a shift for me, but, um, I think the biggest shift was not having a regular job because <laughs> I left my job behind. I was into social work and, 
in um, back in um, Sacramento before I left and to not, I realized I might have identified even with getting a regular check um, in my questions, my work when I was getting all these rejections. Cause when I started writing, you know, you can write and sit, you can sit down and write. And that doesn't mean that someone wants your story. <laughs> they want to pay you for your story. So I'm doing all these, this work and it's work that is unseen. And um, I started to recognize that how much, um, how, how important it was and for me at the time when I was working and getting paid like every two weeks, what that meant to me. Like it meant something to me to show that at least something that I'm doing has a work here and value. But I had to find my own work and value when I'm getting constant rejections from from pieces that I'm crafting. So I I I think in terms of finding that value in a paycheck, I would say that you were probably well ahead of the curve in coming to that realization that your identity is not found in a paycheck because I think 2020 uh, taught so many people and especially Americans, <laughs> um, oh. you know, maybe furloughed, laid off, et cetera, where mm-hmm. to really find your, your true value and your passions, et cetera. So it sounds like 10 years ago, you were oh. already on that path. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely feels like I have been living this pandemic life. Nothing has changed for me in terms of having to stay inside. I stay inside a lot and write anyway, um, except that I do feel like, you know, the, there's a lot more resources, which I am hugely grateful for because everything is done online right now um, that weren't that didn't exist. But um, the ten, 10 years ago when we, um, me and my husband hit the road, so so now I see resources with support where there's a lot of support blogs and, and podcasts where people are showing up and, and, and talking about the struggle of being isolated, you know, and, and, and how to cope with that. And what exactly, I guess, led you all to, to start on this path? Were you inspired by anything or event or experience or... Mm, well, I think um, right after, well, um, so I was married in 2009, Russ and I were married in 2009 in St. Lucia, and we did not want to return home. We, we, we decided that we were going to plan this major wedding and then decided we wanted to do something low-key when we realized, okay, who's getting married here, all these people or us? You know? <laughs> so we, I, we decided to go to, to the place where we were going to honeymoon, which was St. Lucia, and ended up saying we're going to just get married there on the beach. And that experience was just beautiful. Everything, the environment was just beautiful and, and eye-opening. And we felt like when it was time to leave after like a week and a half, I don't remember how long we were out there. We can have two weeks. Um, I didn't, we didn't want to go home. We were like, we can sell rum punch, rum punch on the beach. I mean, I just don't want to go home. <laughs> and I went back and I started to fall in a slight depression. Like I didn't, I wasn't satisfied with my life at my workplace or anything. And so we sat down and we made like a values list to see. And then we also went, you know, looking at different housing opportunities to see, do I want to buy a home right now? Um, I want to start a family right now. What do I want to do now um, after this this marriage experience or after this wedding experience? And we made we sat down and made this list of our values. What do we value in life most? 
Um, and I don't remember everything on, on the list. One of them was achievement accomplishment, um, but the other, which was on the top of our list, both of our lists, was adventure. And the fact that that was at the top of both of our lists, we're like, okay, what are we doing right now that's adventurous? Nothing. <laughs> what can we do to make our list match our reality? And then we decided um, there's this really um, cool book called uh, Four Hour Work Week. I'm not sure if you if you heard of the Four Hour Work Week book with um, Tim Ferriss. He he just wrote this book on Four Hour Work Week and just taking up and taking his life out abroad and all those other stuff. So we both ended up coming across this book at the same time, but in different spaces. Like he came, he came back from some men's group and said, you know, I'm checking out, I'm reading this book. I said, well, you reading this book? I just came across this book a lot. <laughs> and, you know, so we, we read it together and um, we finished reading it together and just decided to, to take up and go to Thailand um, and prepare for going to Thailand. So sold all my clothes, sold all my, my, my belonging, cookware, all the stuff. And some of the stuff is that not all my clothes. That's at my mom's. But some of the <laughs> I was like, oh, the clothes, bit. <laughs> but some of the, um, but I sold a lot of the, sold my car like two days before our flight. Ended up getting a flight on Halloween because it was like the cheapest flight to Thailand was on Halloween for some, you know, maybe superstition. I don't know. But for some reason, it was really, really, really cheap on Halloween. And we flew out to Thailand. And the reason we chose Thailand was it was our first time being out of the country. And I was looking for the best places for um, just first timers to travel and that or first time international travelers to go. And it ended up really just being places where people retire. And um, Thailand was on that list. So that was high on the list. So we ended up going to Chiang Mai and um, spending three months in Chiang Mai. And that was the first experience abroad. Wow. Does that answer the question? <laughs> that answer the question. Let me, when you said, when you said values list, that, that really um, stuck out to me and, and something that, you know, I, I love that you all did that together as a couple. And I think it's a great idea for people to do as individuals as well. I know at mm-hmm. the end of, 2020, I actually made or created a vision list. I love mm-hmm. vision boards, et cetera. And uh, some friends and I, we were having like a virtual vision board party. And I love arts and crafts, et cetera. But I felt like for me, a vision list would be uh, more functional <laughs> because I can carry mm-hmm. it with me. Mm-hmm. And so, so, yes, I love values list. I'm like, ooh, that's another <laughs> list that I want mm-hmm. to uh, create. So, I think that's really important take- where you all found the overlap. You took action on that. So, and I love the visions list because I think that that's where I am now. Like um, now that, especially after 2020 and being forced to like sit in one location. I mean, we couldn't travel. This is the longest we're in Mexico. This is the longest I've stayed in location for the past ten years. This was a challenge. You know, <laughs> I was ready to move. Moving fed me. This is why I continue to travel in the first place. But being, you know, in one location um, has um, brought to mind things like, okay, well, what are my visions moving forward? Now that I I can't, you know, I'm not, there's nothing distracting me, no new environment to distract me. What do I want 
2021, 2022, what I want the rest of my life to look like. Now that you realize you've been on the road, girl, for ten years, <laughs> so you have a, um, you have, I can, I can start designing things for myself because I have a pretty good sense of of the things that I like now that I didn't have when I, when I first, you know, hit the road. I was like twenty six or twenty twenty five or twenty six. So as you've been kind of coming into who you are and your identity. Do you feel like there have been certain countries where you as a Black person or a Black woman felt more welcomed, celebrated, or embraced? That's a good question. Hmm. Yeah. Let me think about that. I I feel the the first place that comes to mind, and this is an earlier experience um, within the first couple years of my travels, was um, Rajasthan, India, and that could have that can have a lot to do with many things. At the time, I had I pretty much did a big chop. At the time, I, I was growing my natural hair for the first time. I usually did presses. I did uh, what is it? A relaxer, and you don't. There's none of none of that. None of that for how we were traveling. So I just, you know, went bald, spread bald, you know, shaved off, and then the hair was starting to grow back. And I didn't have any of like the resources to to you know moisturize it, and it was you know I was having a tough time with with learning it. And in northern India, I met. There were there are a lot of women that I met who were just like really excited about my hair. They had never seen a black American woman with with curly hair. Literally, the music music video leads is what they were used to. Like the women that I were that I was meeting, and um, they just were fascinated with it. And I was wondering what was the fascination so much with my hair in Northern India that it wasn't Southern India where I've had the opposite reaction where people were, were wondering, like, you know, it was like, like little funny, I was getting little funny looks about, about my, my fro. And it was a little fro at the time. I wouldn't call it a twat. It was a little twat. <laughs> and, and they were like, if you have a baby, does your baby grow? You know, when you, you have a baby, does your baby come out with curly hair too? If so, I want to trade babies with you. Like, like they were just going on and on. And I then recognized that a lot of the imagery in Northern India was of the goddess Kali. And she has like the, a darker complexion and she has a big like big curly hair and I was like okay okay so this is this is I wonder I was wondering where y'all was getting that from so y'all looking at Cali and I'm seeing that curly hair and I felt that that at that time I felt that was very welcoming because I was still learning the hair for myself and learning in, in, in myself in the natural and um so India, northern India, Rajasthan in particular, was one time where I felt, um, as a black woman, without the the, the straightened, you know, no hair and te- straightened or textured hair, that this is, um, I'm being seen in <laughs> hair and celebrated here for something that is natural versus something that isn't. And, and I felt the same. I feel this way also in Mexico. I feel very welcomed here in in Mexico in Mexico and I've kind of I've 
you know, broken a lot of rules. I go back to India, but it's the same here. I mean, I've broken a lot of those rules where, you know, we're raised not to go into the strangers' homes. Um, you know, you know, don't talk to strangers, don't go into strangers' homes, all this stuff. But so many people have like been so welcoming and inviting to me and and my husband. So we, you know, <laughs> through back alleys to people's houses and the cuts, you know, just super random experiences that have turned out to be some of the best experiences of my life. Um, and I think that a lot of that attributes to, I can attribute a lot of that to being a black woman, black American particularly, because we've gotten a lot of, of, of feedback about how Americans aren't necessarily the most liked travelers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because there's an entitled attitude that comes. This is what, what people have shared with us. But um, having um, these experiences where um, I can sit down and people be real about just appreciating and loving the our our blackness, um, my black womanness in um yeah, yeah, I, I think Kenya, in Kenya too. Kenya, also I would add Kenya because I went to Kenya in 2019, 2019 for the first time. It was my first time in Africa and I wanted to go. I had been talking, my husband and I said we wanted to go to, Af- to Africa for our 10 year anniversary, wedding anniversary, and we were actually able to make it out there in 2019. And it was an amazing experience. And one of the first, the the first things that people said was welcome, welcome back, welcome home. You know, there was a lot of, lot of, lot of love, <laughs> a lot of love from the Kenyans there. So um, yeah, I felt, I felt, I felt embraced in Kenya as well. So I say India, Mexico, the show, <laughs> and and um and uh, Kenya. Awesome. Well, and actually your response, it, it leads into my next question. And, but before I ask this question, I just have to take a quick pause and, and say, you, you know, you mentioned like your hair and, and what that, that process has been like. And I, I think being on, uh, on the road for 10 years, um, and just knowing how personal, um, our, our hair is to us as black women. Uh, I, I want to, I, if you don't mind just sharing a little bit more about that and what that process has been like for you. And then uh, I want to jump into, because you talked about the ways that you've been embraced um, mm-hmm. by strangers, wanted to hear a little bit about how you've been able to, to find and build community abroad. Okay. Okay. So for hair, <laughs> that is a long, long, long subject, girl. <laughs> that's, a whole, that's a whole episode, okay? I, I understand it's a whole episode. So, so you, you don't have to give us the whole episode, but just kind of, you know, it's a few highlights. <laughs> yes, yes. So for hair, I've had some interesting experiences with hair in different places. Like, for instance, in Thailand, um, that's when I shaved my hair off. A lot of people thought that I was a monk. Because the women in Thailand um, who had shaved hair head at the time, now this was like 10 years ago, um, these women were, the only women who would do that were monks. So 
I was approaching this way. Someone gave me a monk, another monk gig, or magi, call them magi, gave me a, um, out, a nun outfit, like a nun outfit, like, join the club, girl. <laughs> and um, I was at a meditation retreat, and I was given this nun outfit. Um, so I felt embraced. Actually, I would say I felt embraced there, but that had a lot to do with, I think, my shape hit. Um, from from other people who who consider women with shaved heads to be practicing um, practicing monks, um, that that was a good feeling. That was that was that was exciting. To first time I've ever shaved my head off, and that that helped me to to appreciate my ball my ball me on my ball glory. It got harder when my hair started to grow in because I just didn't have the products in places like Vietnam or Cambodia. I just didn't have the products. And I, I just wasn't familiar with it. I mean, I grew up in a hair, like my grandmother owned a hair salon. So I was always with the straight, you know, just pressed up and down, you know. <laughs> and it, I just was not familiar with how to, to manage my hair. Um, so that was really a struggle. Uh, but I had a partner who is who was very affirming. And, you know, we knew, like, like I said, we traveled with a couple of, couple of outfits, you know, we not, he wasn't doing his hair either. So we looking at each other like, <laughs> we, this, this is a part of the adventure. This is just what it is. As we explore the world, we're also exploring ourselves and parts of ourselves that we didn't, um, that, that we, that we didn't give attention to back in the state. So, um, I think that for, the the hair has been a lot of there's been a lot of a, a lot of up and downs but I I decided to keep my natural hair when at one time I was in India and I had back when I was on Facebook that was a while ago but um, someone I met a young girl I met she liked my straightened hair in pictures over my curly hair over my natural my fro. And she was like, oh, I like it like that. You should do it back like that. And it got me to thinking how, how, how very few people, especially because we stayed in, you know, it was a very small village. And I saw a lot of the imagery that was coming in through the televisions. And it was all, just all, any black women that they saw on TV or that were showing up on TV were music video. And none of them had hair that was like what she was seeing in front of her. And so I said, okay, now I can't ever, <laughs> I cannot do this. I, I felt like my own, this is a shame that this is, there's not more representation of style of hair, of, of my hair without it being relaxed or texturized. So after her find, after her talking to me about that and finding this manipulated hair to be the best version of me, I decided, no, 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 we're going to change that narrative. So I decided I'm going to figure out how to learn this hair, so I, um, learn my natural hair, and and um, that's kind of what kept me on this um, this very up and down path. <laughs> like I got braids now, but my I haven't had braids this whole ten years, and I happened to find a braider out here in Mexico, out here in um, Guanajuato. So I was really really excited about that, but. But this is usually, it's been a, it's definitely been a journey, but a journey of me of appreciating, a huge journey of appreciating the, what comes natural to me and just, just deconditioning, de-learning or unlearning. It's a lot of, it's a lot of that. It's been a lot of that, um, 
I'm learning what is what is um, beauty, really. I'm learning what is beauty, what is um, knowledge. I'm learning a lot of things. <laughs> That's very, very powerful. And I, I think really important for people to hear because again, I know how um, treasured and personal hair is to, to black and brown women. So thank you for just sharing what that process looks like for you and and you're still on it but you're but you are uh excelling because you're you know you're still there and really loving yourself and and understanding where your true value comes from thank you for asking because i haven't really talked about here in a while like it's been but it has definitely been a journey like even i have a lot of pictures where you'll see me at different you know on my on the road in different stages um but life is uh, that's a, you know that that's just the process. It's the process of life. These different stages. It's not just the hair. It's me just unlearning and re and learning to appreciate um, just other ways of, of 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 living and expressing. Love it, love it, love it. And so, so with that, uh, you were sharing about how you have connected with strangers and kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> broken the, the rules uh, in terms of what you were taught. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about how you've been able to find and build your community abroad. Mm. The community, that's a really good question because community is huge, I think, at least for, um, as a long-term traveler, um, that's something that I didn't know. I really didn't recognize how important it was in leading home, leaving the state, um, I left a lot more behind than I realized. Um, I had regular, like, you know, you might get called up and invited to a friend's birthday bash or, um, you know, a graduation or a family event, um, something. And to not physically be there, you, you can, at least for me, start to feel like disconnect. So, so, um, everyone's life is going on, you know, can be going on without me. And, and my life is also going on in a different direction. And as a social being, I, I recognize that um, I needed to make very conscious efforts to stay in touch. Like I said, I didn't really travel with the phone at first because a lot of times we would be traveling off the grid budget. We had a very small budget. We were living off of savings because um, in traveling the way that we did, we saved up and then decided to like live off of what was saved. And that was minimal after a while. If, you know, we have to, you know, freelancing work is not regular. So <laughs> I didn't need a phone. You know? So you couldn't access me and I couldn't access people through phones. It would be through email and Skype. And after a while, it did get to feel a bit lonely because it's just me and my 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 husband so it's just us me and Russ and then um if we are in new countries countries where we don't speak the language it really is just me and my partner (laughs) you know so because we're not really traveling in very tourist areas so I had to make conscious efforts efforts over time I learned to make conscious efforts to stay in touch, um, really reach out to the friends and family back home, look for, um, actively look for other, com- other travelers, 
in like in Mexico now I've met I met some women or some amazing women in um um Guanajuato um and that I'm actively looking because I know that without that my social well-being is would it struggle it would be lacking something so so um yeah yeah and learning the language I mean we've been here long enough now to where I I've found on English or not English I'm a Spanish teacher to to work with to learn the language because that's one of the most difficult parts if I'm in a country for a couple of months you know that during that time I'm not going to pick up the language in that time and so I'm not really having more in-depth conversations and those without those there's so much that can be lacking from 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 my social well-being and so yeah yeah I think that finding community has been the it is currently the journey that I am on and um part of that is like I said spending more time in a location immediately my what I've learned is to immediately pick up a language parent <laughs> immediately pick up a language parent and um make like really make it in a conscious effort to to stay in touch with the friends and family members I have at at home. Yeah, and you know it's it, it's interesting when I hear you talk about that connection that you're making to family and friends at home and in your current community as well as other communities where you've maybe been able to stay for an extended period of time. It makes me think of just taking things back to the basics because I know that you are are not really uh, heavily engaged on social media. Mm. I know it's a a form, it can be a form of community building, but of course it can't like stand alone. So I know you all are kind of made a conscious decision to, (laughs) to be off. Uh, the grid when it comes to social media as well. So um, if you can maybe just share a little bit of insight about that too, because I think it's important for people to hear since social media uh, does consume uh, a lot of different people um, and it, it, from different, you know, aspects and, and, and spectrums in terms of engagement. I mean, it can be used again. It can be used for good. It can be used mm-hmm. for building. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, you, you've been traveling the world for 10 years and you, I'm sure, have all these beautiful photos and experiences that, you know, that were not done for the quote unquote for the gram, you know. So, so just mm-hmm. um, think about that one is here a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I have an interesting, I mean, relationship with social media because I got off of it about, well, I don't know, like maybe eight years ago. But I think that part of that was because a um I think you I don't know if you remember we we I started a blog, Russ and I had a blog, our first one hundred days, and we were doing a blogging about marriage and, and um life on the road. And after a very short time, because <laughs> blogging daily for a hundred days, right? Um I realized that the blogging about my life and the writing the pictures of, or posting pictures and imagery about my my life experiences was getting in the way of, of the experience. And I and I kind of felt like some of those some of those moments 
were feeling less sacred to me when I when I had to share them, especially since we we committed to blogging daily. This was our own decision, you know, <laughs> like we had to do it, but we this was our own decision to do. And in that process, I, I we both realized that it was just taking away from just us being able to just be in this experience. Sometimes I don't want to share, you know, what's happened in in my life today or what what waterfall, you know, what 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 place or experience that I had today. And um, so I was letting the limitations of that at the time that blog get in the way of my experience. So I decided to just um, just pause it. It was a great. It, it was not to knock that blog because that was one of the best I think ex- things that Russ and I could do as a as a, a newlywed couple was to blog about our experiences, separate experiences, but it happens on the same day. So we may have the same. Ex- we may have the same experience, but different perspectives. So we would blog about that same day. We both went to the Buddhist temple, for instance, but we had very, very diverse perspectives. And to be able to read about each other's perspectives gave us insight into each other that we might not have had had we not forced ourselves to blog daily. So the beauty came out of us just being able to, to understand more about each other and communicate better with each other. But what also happened was that there were so many experiences that I I had that I felt I did not really want to share or I was still unpacking that experience myself and so um so I I I wanted to keep some things sacred you know so I decided to really just get off of social media for a while I mean blogging 100 days straight can do that to you (laughs) and the time that I had away from social media I really thoroughly enjoyed so I just never really got back into it I never really got back into it. Now, I can say that that also has a problem because had I been, had I kind of, you know, kept some some sort of social social interaction going there, then maybe there would be less feeling of disconnect from, or feelings of having to rebuild a community. But I don't know, I still really enjoy keeping my days to myself keeping my experiences and myself and my photos to myself. Um, you know, occasionally we might make a little photo book and get send it to our mothers. But um and I but yeah, yeah, I I think that, that that choice to do that um has allowed me to move through life without feeling like I had to, you know, have to to um make more out of it an experience. Um, than than what it is. Just letting it allows me, you know, to let the experience exist. I'm not putting any pressure on it to to be greater than it is or, or anything for for um for me to share it. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I think too uh, for our generation in particular, since we lived a good portion of our lives without social media, uh, we can definitely. Mm-hmm. Kind of go back to, to those basics and be able to appreciate, like you said, not sharing everything and having those treasured moments and experiences and photos that are just for you. And even as a podcaster, I I recognize a, a lot of times people say, well, whether you're a podcaster or really doing anything, any type of business, et cetera, nowadays people 
will say, you should post, you should be posting every day. But to your mm-hmm. point, that that's not my uh, strategy. That's not my style or my vibe because I, I post when I feel spirit led to post, um, right. whether that's in my official newsfeed or in my stories. Um, but yeah, I think um, that you do have to protect your, your heart, your mind, your spirit, and, and truly like your stories and your experiences and share, share as you feel led. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I think you're, you're probably getting the most full experience, like you mentioned, by by keeping that disconnect. And I think it's really beautiful. I heard you throw in there that sometimes you do send photos to your moms and like, those are the things that are important, right? Like sharing those experiences with your family and the people who truly um, care about you and you have those relationships with versus just, you know, the highlight real kind of culture of social media. Mm-hmm. While again, I do think they have some, some great benefits can be very entertaining <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> and all the the different topics happening. Um, the 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 people are so creative, and so I, I do love a lot of the creativity that those platforms uh, present. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, so awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. So, speaking of creativity, uh, you are a very accomplished writer and artists, and you describe your works as offbeat, fantastical stories exploring the intersections of Black womanhood and mental health while drawing from childhood tales and travel experiences. That's such, I have to say, that's such a a writer's, like, the way that you phrase it up. That's, yeah, that's uh, such a writer, like, (laughs) little a blog right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if that keeps changing, just so you know. Oh, like, it's oh, kind of hard to, like, you know, put everything that you are creating into a sentence. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you're, you know, exactly. To encapsulate it, especially, you know, when there's so much. But, um, but based on that, I just wanted to ask you, how have your adventures abroad inspired your writing and your artistry and has there been a place that you felt sparked creativity or influenced your work in a unique or an unexpected way hmm. ah. okay okay <laughs> okay well, Joy, let me see I feel I feel like e- each place has its own magic um or Horror, you know, <laughs> depending, depending. Um, but um, I would say that my the one that I would have the country that would have impacted me the most to date, and for a very specific reason, would be um, India because that's where I started to take my writing a little more seriously. When I met it, um, I was in. Uh, Rajasthan, and we ran into a a guest house guest house owner, and he said, "You know, I I met a couple, and they're also writers. You guys should meet." And they were this couple was from Mumbai, so we had like this late night of just hanging out, talking, chilling, drinking, all the stuff. <laughs> and in that converse, in that conversation, in that exchange, in that exchange, somehow along the way, because at the time I, you know, I used to be in the social work and when we hit the road I kind of was still discovering what it was I wanted to do 
because social work was very challenging to do when we weren't staying in one place long enough for me to get to know the community um, and actually um, do, do any impactful work. So I'm like, hey, well, I don't want to, I like, I used to like to paint a little bit, you know, but I didn't want to carry around these paint supplies because that made that, you know, that's very messy. So I'm like, what exactly can I, can I do um, to, to earn some, earn a living or, or just, you know, what practice can I, can I, can I start right now? So I, in talking to that couple, somewhere along the way in that conversation, they heard that I was a screenwriter. Don't know how they heard that, but they heard it. <laughs> the couple, and so the couple, when we left each other, I got an email from them later on in that week that they wanted to connect me to a, a film director in Ghana who was looking for a screenwriter. And she was looking for a screenwriter to write something, you know, about um, mental health in, in Ghana, but something that's a little bit, you know, you know, a little, little out speed and fun. And, and I said, I've never written a screenplay. You must be talking about my husband. Because <laughs> you know? at the time, Russ was writing screen screenplays or trying to at the time. And um, I did, they said, no, well, well, you know, I've heard that, you know, I heard about you. I want, to write, I want you to try it. I want, I want you to give, take, give a, take a stab at it. And if you don't like it, you know, you can say, you know, no, it's not for me. So I decided to to write that screenplay, and it was very fun to to dig into um, the cultures in Ghana, and um, I had something to do with the wooden mask carvings, and um, uh, it had a little science and fantasy in it. Um, and so I kind of like really like embodied that story for the next six months. I wrote it through Nepal. I was in Nepal. I, we moved from India to Nepal, and I wrote it during my time there. And just dug into a lot of because I have no you know film training at all, so I just dug into a lot of screenplays, read a lot of different screenplays, and um, and wrote that piece. And after that experience, I kind of felt like you know I want to do, I like this. This is fun to actually bring like traveling is such um, a very a very um, immersive visual visceral experience, and to be able to put words to something that is going to be made into um, cinema. I felt like there, what other way to share an experience like this and what it feels like to just be, you know, taking in all these different sites than to write something that will be made into a film. So after that experience, I started to write screenplays of my own and, um, uh, and in India <laughs> was the place that inspired, I would say, inspired this experience because I probably wouldn't have went out on that limb and, and tried that had I not had that night with these random artists, <laughs> filmmaking artists, who decided, hey, you know, I, I heard you, you know, you're a screenwriter, and I'm going like, to tell my friends, filmmaking friends, that I just met this really cool screenwriter. So, yeah, I, I kind of fell into... To, to screenwriting that way. And, and a lot of times when I feel um, uninspired, I'm reminded of the time I felt to write and be invited to write that first screenplay. Beautiful. Kind of reminds me of like that, the movie One Night in Miami for you. It's One Night in India. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good movie. Actually, I saw that one. 
I actually still need to check it out, but I know Regina King uh, mm-hmm. won an award. And so it's on, it's on my list. I'm, I'm making my way through <laughs> <For sure. laughs> all, these, all these excellent black uh, creative works out there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what would you say has been your most rewarding experience while you've been traveling abroad? And then what's been your most challenging experience? Mm. Mm. Let's see. Um, the, the most rewarding, I guess the most rewarding experience is how, how much, how little I'm learning how little and I and I realize how little I, I know. <laughs> how little I know. And it it allows for me to be more curious and excited about life because I realize that there's so much more to learn um and experience and and explore and and, and smell and <laughs> taste. You know, I love food, I love street food and all there's so much and, and I think the most rewarding experience is just that my curiosity is constantly excited. Like I'm constantly like eating my curiosity in each new location, even house sitting. When I house sit, um, I'm going into a new, I'm immersing into a new location, connecting with the neighbors, um, seeing what this space, what, what I can do in this space to get to know it better or do on this land to get to know it better. Um, yeah, so that's been the most ex- most exciting part is that I, I feel like it helps me to stay in this childlike curiosity, and um, and 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 that feels amazing. Uh, what's most challenging, though, <laughs> most challenging would be um, mm, I think it still goes back to I think it takes us back to the the not speaking the language I really love to communicate with people um and while I can you know we feed off of each other's body language and expressions when I'm in these different locations I would love there's still so much to be shared with each other and we can tell and we want to and we we really try to communicate as much as we can now with google translate and all these things, you know, that make it possible to communicate. See, this helps, but it also slows down the the um, the casual nature of a conversation. And it slows down just the, the flow of a conversation. So I think that just the, the not being able to communicate as freely as I want is the most challenging. But I have goals to become pretty much a polyglot within the next five years, hopefully. <laughs> So now that I have decided to, that is important to me to pick up a language parent or language instructor each time I move um, and making sure that I move as slowly as I can, like six months, um, staying in a place at least six months, um, and then seeing that there's so much um, crossover between the languages, you know, like um, learning Spanish here, learning Spanish here in Mexico is going to help me with Spanish in Spain and then help me with, I have a friend in France who there's some crossover in the language with that. <laughs> so I'm seeing that, um, I'm seeing that I can, I can, um, um, I can, uh, if I prioritize the language learning, 
that challenge won't be as much of a challenge to me and we'll have to, and another challenge will come up, but that's the challenge that I have, have right now and in this, you know, in progress. So I actually had to write down something you said, cause it was so good. You said, my, my, <laughs> you said, my curiosity is constantly excited. I feel like that is goals right there, just in life, whether you're, traveling abroad or just living everyday life like mm-hmm. that's so beautiful to me and so mm-hmm. since since you're working on mastering languages I know you mentioned a couple of them but how like which I guess are at the top of your list then Spanish for sure because I mean I'm gonna always return to Mexico as closest to home um you know I could fly like what is a three-hour flight back to the bay and um, family can visit here. I want my mom to come. I was not able to visit my mom. I think I mentioned that to you for her, her 70th birthday because, you know, so many, you know, of the pandemic international travel rules. But I would love for her to come here, you know, this summer. <laughs> and it's, you know, that's easier on her body, that, that three-hour trip, than it would be to fly somewhere like to, to, to Thailand or fly to India with me. So I feel like, um, yeah. Oh, I forgot your question. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did you, what did you ask me? <laughs> no, it's okay. I was, I was asking, well, you, you said Spanish is at the top of your list. I was Spanish asking. Is at the top, yeah. yeah. So I wasn't sure if there were any other languages on your list as well. Um, I would love to learn, um, French because both me and, and Russ, we both enjoy being in Paris, we've had some really amazing house sitting gigs there. Amazing house sitting gigs by this park, Bichemont. It's a beautiful park that like um, has a little waterfall there. And in the summertime, I don't know how it is now with the pandemic. I'm sure they shut that down right now. But in the summertime, usually it stays open until like I think like one o'clock in the morning. And I've never seen people with their children out at a park on like, you know, little, you know, picnic blankets at one o'clock in the morning. So in jogging and it felt really, I love walking. I love, I love walking, jogging, all that. So it felt really amazing to be there at that time of night and, and um, in the air. And there's a lot of beautiful trees. That's an amazing part. And so I would love, I would love to return to, to Paris often. I have friends that have visited me out there um, before, um, it has amazing vibes there. Um, so, yeah, French. And then um, if I could learn, because I was taking some of in Kenya, if I could learn Swahili, oh, my God, I would be cool. Respect <laughs> for life. <laughs> I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed learning. I was only in Kenya for maybe three, three months, however long the visa is. I think it's three or four months. But um, if I can learn Swahili. So those are my, those are my three. Swahili sounds dope. <laughs> yes, yes, and it, and it was, it was, it was amazing. People were so open and willing to teach. Like if I'm like, you know, signaling for where I, where is this location or that location, very open and willing to say, and this is how you say it, and this is how you say it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I got used to. It. I don't remember how to say it now. No, no, I'm not even going to try. It's been a minute. <laughs> 
But um, I got used to saying nice to meet you, and I can't remember exactly how to say it. I wish I did, and I'd give you like a taste of what I was learning. <laughs> well, I know I know a phrase that uh, means like go well with you that I learned from Kilimanjaro Safari, <laughs> which <laughs> is a, which is an attraction at uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom Park, and the phrase is Quaharini. So I love I love that. Uh, <laughs> wow, rainy. Wow. Go well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's definitely amazing when you pick up because the language is for me, like there's some, a lot of people say, for instance, some words just don't translate to the English language. So there's so many different meanings and ways that words are, um, are phrases, different meanings and phrases that add more context to life to me when I'm, when I'm, learning a language like even out here in um uh mexico and i'm learning about how to speak um about fear you know um my language teacher was telling me there was nothing that really directly translated to i'm afraid but it's more so i have fear or i have a feeling of, um, of an int- intimidation or something it's something that you have but nothing something it's not something that you are and I thought that this was, I think language matters so much because we speak, when we're speaking, we're speaking onto ourselves. So the fact that there is no translation <laughs> for you being, at least this is what she's teaching me, you being afraid but versus something you have and you have something, you can always get rid of it. And I, and I love that. It just helps me to see and adds to the um, affirmative language for myself when you know maybe i'm going into places or spaces as a black woman traveler you know i I like to go off on my own but sometimes if i'm not familiar with the location russ and i both know like we want to make sure that we are you know we travel together and and stay together at least in spaces that we don't know and like being here as long as we have been here it's allowed us to get to know the space more so I can travel more freely by myself. But at first I had fear, you know, <laughs> at first I had fear of where can I go? Where, where are the safest areas for me to, to, to walk alone, jog alone? You know, there's a lot of beautiful alleyways here in Guanajuato. Gorgeous. They call this one of the main attractions is um, Alley of the Kiss. And they have a whole folk tale um, to it where people come here to, by like to to go into these different apartment um or different flats go to the top of the flat go into the um go off about hang off the balcony and kiss their lover and take a have someone take a picture of them this is one of the because the folk tale the folk tale a rich woman and a poor man decide you know they want to be together kind of like Romeo and Juliet and you know they go to the balcony and they would sneak a kiss and that's how small this alley is that you can walk through that you can reach over and kiss. So there's a lot of beautiful alleyways. You can get lost in the streets of Guanajuato. And um, it's just a beautiful place to walk. But if you're not familiar, then you might have a little bit of fear of where can you walk safely as a woman traveler, black woman traveler. Love that. Love that. Love that. And I, I will share since sounds like Spanish is <laughs> at the top of your list that I actually studied Spanish in high school and college. And <laughs> that's probably the, and, you know, living here in Florida, you're exposed to it quite a bit. So sometimes I, you know, I'll be able to pick up things in conversation. Um, mm-hmm. and 
so I would say it's definitely something that I would love to reintegrate, <laughs> um, yeah. it, you know, to brush up because it, it's amazing. Some of the words that'll come to me sometimes, um, just kind of out of nowhere, and, you know, like you, it's like you want to get the conjugation and all, <laughs> all these different, yes. right? I, I I love the way um, that, like, you know, the story you shared about fear and not like not having fear like that'll preach y'all by itself <laughs> um, hello hello <laughs> yes. um, so so moving on what have you learned about yourself during all of your travels and I'm sure you're still learning but <laughs> you just wanted to highlight a couple of things question that's a good question okay I'm like what angle should I approach this but I feel I feel that one of the um the things that I enjoy that I didn't realize that I enjoyed so much because I did do um I spent time in, in social work I grew up in a family of uh teacher style teacher my my or my mom was a, a kindergarten teacher and then she ran a daycare um, that I've kind of spent um, on this time away, I've kind of spent a lot of time learning and allowing myself to be taught. And I have not spent as much time sharing what I know or what I have to give. And I realized that that is a part that, that actually feeds me in ways that I didn't know until like years and years later. And I realized that I was feeling a bit of a lack and I'm like, why am I feeling a lack? I'm enjoying life. I'm learning so much. <laughs> but I've been allowing myself to be the student of life for um, so many years. So I think being forced to be in one location for a long time, just, you know, during the pandemic, I guess I started to recognize and not necessarily, you know, um, taking on a new country and, and restarting my, um, my learning I was able to sit down and recognize that I do feel like I want to share more than um, I have been doing these past few years or these these past ten years. So I, I, I did. I, I started off sharing. <laughs> I definitely started off sharing, and before I, I left um, social media. But I feel that that's an area of me that needs to be fed. So I'm looking now into into coaching because I've gotten so many people who have been interested in in house sitting especially now with the pandemic people have left their jobs and wanting to work mobily and I and I've still that you know I've gotten a lot of how are you how are you how are you house sitting how are you living in accommodations or how are you getting accommodated for free like how did that work <laughs> tell me tell me how to how to play that game so I I think that that's something that I would be excited to do and, um, and when in between working on any writing projects. Uh, so I think that that's what I've learned. I think that that is an area that I that needs to be fed. This is a recent learning. I can go back to a little past learning, but this is the most <laughs> recent discovery. And so I'll try that out and see see how that works. But yeah, that's what I've, what I've learned that to share is also, you know, to give is also very fulfilling. That's really dope. And I, I think you definitely uh, are in a, a niche market there um, to, mm-hmm. to be able to, to share that insight. So mm-hmm. so definitely let us know <laughs> once you 
<laughs> your master class of house sitting. <laughs> I will, I will. Then that's actually been one of the best experiences too, because um, this has, um, you know, the fact that the Wi-Fi is regular. If you're staying in guest houses as a traveler, you are fighting for Wi-Fi, you know, and if you work online, that could be very difficult. Um, but you're in a location when you're house sitting, you're, you're, if you like pets, usually they come with some pets, you know, if you like cats or dogs, <laughs> sometimes there are plants involved and just plants, but if you like pets or animals, and for me, they're good company. Um, so I, you know, I, I can enjoy them. I think that, yeah, this is for, if you're creative and I particularly want to work with, women who are interested in, in maybe following their passion and or some creative passion. Cause when you go into these different spaces for me, people have different libraries and a lot of my works, you know, are never the same because I'm feeding from, I'm feeding my, my creative energy with things in my, my space. So what's in this home library may not be in the next person's home library. And while this person may have, a, you know, park, the amazing park that I can walk to and, and write from. This other one may have like a view of, I don't know, the mountains or be on a beach. You know, I've been house sitting in Puerto Rico um, on a beach house and that was for four months. And that was I've seen some of the most beautiful beaches in Vegas, on Vegas Island. And that was, that was one of the most, I finished a whole, I finished a whole, it's rough, but I finished a whole novel there. <laughs> I was able to write and finish a novel there. So each location has been very inspiring just because, just you know, it feels like for me, my creative, creativity is recharged and reset every time I move into a new space. So, so yeah, that's, that's, um, that's something that hopefully that, that would be an offering that, that, um, that people that can resonate with, with people who decide to, to, to come and come into house sitting and 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 want to be taught or want my teachings. House sitting on a beach and watching <laughs> <laughs> this sounds amazing to me. It was good. It definitely was. It definitely was. So uh, I'm going to ask you actually. This is is one of my favorite questions to uh, to ask my guests. Um, okay. So, uh, I believe that all Black women are superheroes, and that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why I want to start this podcast. So, I want to ask you, what do you believe your superpower is, and how has it strengthened during your time living abroad? Hmm. Okay, I feel like my superpower. Would I mean the first thing that comes to mind? I would say would be adaptability. The fact that like life is so uncertain. Period. You know what I mean? I've never. I mean that is a huge learning for me. Um, things just don't always work as planned. There's countries that I plan to go to that just didn't happen, and I had to like change countries like at the airport. You know, <laughs> for for just on the fly like that, just random stuff happening along this journey, but. It always led to some, it always like lends itself to some magical experience. So I feel like the adaptability and it allows me to trust life, allows me to trust um, the universe. It just allows me to be in a space of uh, peace versus me trying to have 
one set idea of what I would like to see happen and all the disappointments that can come when those things go awry. Um, so the, that ability to me keeps me in a, in a space of positivity to receive things that I didn't expect, um, to give things that I didn't expect, to meet and encounter all kinds of people and energies. It's, that's been, I think, the most beautiful thing. Like I said, breaking all the rules and going into random back alley houses that I would have never done if my mom would kill me if she seen some of the <laughs> she would kill me if she seen some of the, some of these places I mean but these have been some of the most and I might not have made it out of some of these places to be honest with you because you never know what can happen in life period but the fact that I did the fact that me and me and my partner did is um uh some of the most beautiful experiences that I've ever had and that's just me being able to adapt versus trying to force a situation or force force and experience. Yeah. Well, again, I, I would say you're, you're probably uh, ahead of the curve. I, I think that 2020 taught a lot of people about adaptability. Right. That's exactly right. And, and, and it's good because in um, for so many ways, like a lot of things that's changed I've noticed is, you know, like things that kind of, you know, should have been happening all along, obviously, like, you know, with people, they're out here, particularly out here, you know, everyone is being responsible and wearing their mask. Everywhere you go, you know, there's hand sanitizer, there's every people wiping stuff down, there's distancing. You don't just go into a restaurant now, you're not crowded into a restaurant, but there is a certain amount of space that is given between these tables. All of, like, there's a lot of extra stuff that should have been happening in my personal opinion all along. All along, every time you walk into a local, every time you walk into a market, even the open air markets out here, there is someone who is standing there ready to like um, to give you whatever hand sanitation you need. Um, so that's been that's been a huge change or shift in our travel. Even the menus, I think that that must be going on out there too now, right? Like the menus are on the phones, but you don't have to. You don't hold a physical menu, so you just put your phone up to that little scanner. All sorts of stuff like that, I think, is, which, is, which is great. Um, but also that me and my connecting to family members back home has definitely changed, too, because everyone is experiencing this being at home and not in, in, in a way a sort of isolation that where now you're forced to create your own lifestyle. Like you don't have work dragging you in this direction or that direction. At this point, you're being forced to like examine what is important to you. And, you know, I mean, the idea that life isn't promised, it never was. But, you know, we've never been halted any more, 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 more directly and strongly than in this past year. And then just to hear and see what family members and friends have, have discovered during this time about themselves. We're just finding more, I'm finding more connection through that, through that also because so much has halted and shifted. My mom, for instance, can't go to Sunday church. Any, she can't go to church anymore, the physical building. There's just a lot in her. Like for me, like I was mentioning the fashion and stuff, my mom is a very fashionable woman, <laughs> very eccentric. I love it. She's so eccentric. And so she's very colorful and all these things. She had to figure out how do I find that, that in my life when I was looking forward to expressing myself and my praise and where I have to do this within my own home. How do I put myself in a face to feel, feel like I want to do this here? Because if you stop, 
you can lead to depression. It can lead to all sorts of all sorts of feelings because this was what was regular and this is where you were finding your peace of mind, at least for, for my mom. So hearing her talk about the journey of what she does to keep herself sane, spiritually fed, um, yeah, feeling feeling beautiful within herself. Sometimes she doesn't feel like getting up. At first, in the pandemic, you know, just like at first, for me, in this traveling experience, sometimes you don't feel like getting up to go, to, to put in any work toward anything. You just want to lay here in your pajamas and chill. But after a while, you get you, you understand that doing that can can bring your mood down a lot. So, you know, encouraging, I've been encouraging her, and she's been, you know, now understanding the encouragement that she can give me to to live our best, life on our own terms, you know, um, checking in with, uh, checking in with each other's mental health, I think has become a huge, huge thing. Um, now I'm hearing with friends and, and family and I'm seeing a lot more resources for that. So there's, it's prioritized now and we check in like it's, it's Tuesday now just to check in, <laughs> just to check in with each other's mental health, physical well-being, you know, making sure each other is walking. Um, where did you walk today? Um, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think, you know, kind of all of your comments echo that sentiment of, you know, health, right? So whether it's in the public spaces and I'm OCD, so I am here for the hand sanitizer and the wiping down and the wet ones yeah, and all girl. <laughs> things that I want to stay. Okay. But then to your point, there is on um, in, in terms of your private life like that how do you um, keep your your mental health your spiritual health sharp your physical health right so for me I've been doing uh I do a 5k Monday through Friday I walk and I bring some weights out there with me and those types of things and even you know being a Christian woman our church it is still on it's online we're streaming and I really enjoy it and and yet I've also found myself being able to have more extended devotional time um, and and really recognizing that that like you know in in that the sanctuary which I always knew that you know the church is not a building like we are the church and so I think um, for mm-hmm. a, a lot of believers really um, having uh, to come to that realization and really you know continue developing that relationship for yourself while you um, may still have a virtual connection to your church and then hopefully you know able to still communicate with church members and and um, and see see each other when you can in a in a safe um, way but yeah I think it's 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 really incredible how it is yeah. things um, yeah. And in some ways, but, you know, I try to be a, a, a glass half <laughs> half uh, full kind of girl. So definitely yeah. see the positives again when I think about the overall health spectrum. So mm-hmm. we'll see. <laughs> we'll see as, as things mm-hmm. continue to evolve with, uh, you know, I'm, and we're not even going to get into this, but, you know, with the vaccine and all these uh, yeah. different uh, things that are being introduced into our lives and even wearing the mask, um, not to get too off topic because I do want to get to our next question, but even wearing the mask, like again, I feel like I will probably continue wearing masks in certain spaces, uh, especially the airport. I'm like, uh, yes, this is a brilliant, this is a brilliant idea. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, and it was a minute, like in um, 
because of there being all the smog and everything in um, Vietnam, we were used to seeing like in Vietnam, everyone had masks on there. So this was like what we're seeing now, this imagery is a very familiar one. I didn't have masks most of the time, but I, I, I do agree with you. I will continue. I feel like I want to continue, <laughs> continue this practice. It feels smart to me. It feels comfortable to me. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I won't, you know, I'll allow myself to like in open air spaces, you know, like when you go to the park and things like that, you know, you can remove it. But I do think that it, I think it's a smart idea. Definitely. The only thing I do miss, of course, is being able to, you know, see someone smile because I'm I'm a person who loves to smile and loves to see others. Yeah. But, but we're getting to the point where now I think you can tell through um, <laughs> that eye contact, et cetera. Uh, yeah. you, can, you can still see a person's smile uh, <laughs> in public. And um, yeah, so. Which is uh, beautiful because I feel like it goes back to that whole like, um, body, seeing the body language. Like I kind of like shrug my shoulders a bit and, and my eyes go up a bit when I'm smiling. <laughs> so I'm now able to like kind of try to recognize and that's fun to do to see if someone like, is this a smile? Are we, this, that's what this is? Okay. Okay. <laughs> we're, here. we're here and everyone's body language when they smile is slightly different, but there still is that energy that you share that, exactly. um, you know, you can, you can feel a smile. Exactly. And, and, and yeah. I think it's, it's very um, intentional energy too, you know, because yeah. I mean, obviously most of the time you can speak, but, but sometimes, like you said, just that physical uh, or the body language, like kind of tells the story. So <laughs> as, yeah. as, yeah. as we as humans are, you know, we're e- evolving and, and adjusting. Um, and um, yeah. So uh, to get back <laughs> to uh, some some questions about your travels abroad do you have specific <laughs> do you have do you have any specific advice that you would give to black women about traveling abroad and you mentioned some some really great things around safety earlier um, but just wanted to see if there are any things that you wanted to highlight um i would say for me, this is advice I guess I would have wanted for myself, and I think well now I now I know it. Um, there are black women community tra- or traveler communities of black women all over, you know. So I would actually just look into those sites. Um, I haven't been on one in a while because now I look very specifically at the location I'm in. But I remember there was. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I think Nomadness Tribe was one, but that wasn't particularly black women, but there were a lot of black women travelers in it. This was for, for men and women. But I think that if you just, whenever location you're, you're going into, I found people on Twitter, like I met up with some other traveler um, in, and, um, on Twitter in Cambodia. Um, there's a community of black women out here in Guanajuato, in San Miguel de Allende. And um, I just would think, I, I would just recommend looking in, if you're going to Chiang Mai, there's a lot of, um, that's a creative city, so there's a lot of artists there, the creatives there, Black women creatives, and Bangkok. Um, just if you're going to this location, looking up and, and literally Googling, <laughs> like Black women in this location, 
live and then I think just making that connection because there's some people who live there so now you will always have that connection if they you know continue living there there's people who have set roots down there and, and there's people who live here in, in San Miguel de Allende and we've already formed a sisterhood because I think I was out here this is the second time I've been in this the state. So I'm, I'm out here again and I need to call them up and let them know I'm house sitting in your hood. <laughs> so we're going to have to hang out. But like the community of black women has been really, really amazing here. Like you see a black woman out here in um, Guanajuato or, um, and you know, you see her in the store, she will flag you down. <laughs> she will flag you down. Sister, come on, we have a lunch, you know, I'm going to introduce you to the rest, the rest of us here that we're going to hang out. And it's been amazing. I think, but I would have been able to find her possibly through, because people have formed community. There's like little communities, just, they're just really low key. I think Facebook is a place for that. Like I said, I'm not on social media, but I'm, I've been learning now that this is what, one reason why I would need to return to it, to be able to get onto those um, social media or Facebook groups um, to, to connect to other black women that way. So yeah, like, if you're saying that you're going to this location and I guess you can, I don't know, hashtag, <laughs> hashtag that you're going to this location, somebody may holler back at you or you can look for the hashtags of who has been there and reach out, reach out to them. This is a very old school way of doing it. Maybe there's other ways that people do it now, but that's literally how I've made my connections other than meeting people in person and being flagged down. Um, but I do think that, that my best advice would be but to connect with other 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 black women in the location that you're going to because they can if they've been there longer than you they can share about their experience their areas that are best to things to explore things that you might want to you know be caught more cautious about things like um, things like that and you can find these these things also on on blogs but obviously to connect with somebody individually that to me are more personal that's better and if you see a blog where somebody has the information, I would reach out to them. If this, if they are writing about um, a country or a city that you're planning to go to, reach out to them, see if that you can meet. We've literally met so many people who this way and met other people who have met people that they've introduced us to through the Instagram and through, a, through Twitter. Um, just by just looking up, you know, I like to rock climb. Black woman rock climber <laughs> in, uh, in uh, I don't know, Vietnam or something. So I, I recommend doing I recommend doing that because I think that that makes your experience richer. Yeah, I think definitely this is one way that social media is being used for good. It's building that community, making those connections and, and being able to have that educational exchange. Uh, in fact, one of my friends went to Tulum Mexico uh, last week and uh, she's not active on Instagram that often but she did mention that you know she posted some some things and hashtagged it and there were some some black uh creators in Tulum who who uh who reached out to her so you know again yeah just, you know, and uh now this is not this is not abroad a necessarily, but when you think about like these Facebook groups and, and things like right. that, just, uh, I, I will say anecdotally that I joined probably a little over a month ago, this black girls and Trader Joe's <laughs> Facebook group. Oh, nice. <laughs> <is> hilarious. <laughs> so, 
very cool. I didn't know you were about to say Trader Joe's. Hell yeah. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> I need to see. I need to see if there's one that's like black girls in Target. But you know, I don't know if I should. Be doing all these, I don't know if I should be doing all these free endorsements. But you know, here we are. <laughs> there you go. Whatever you're sharing, you're sharing. Like this is this is your life. This is what you're sharing, and this is good because like for Trader Joe's, what are what are the things that you guys share with each other? Like what? Kind oh, of- all kinds of. So they'll they'll highlight different like food. Like, have you checked this out? They'll share like funny, you know, funny stories about things that happened at Trader Joe's or yeah. So it, it really is an, an amazing community. So I'm I'm loving it. And they even have in order to get in the group, they have mm-hmm. questions like that they ask, and I'm sure it's a, a randomized system. But but one of the questions was like, how long, how long did uh Miss Seeley have to fight? Like from the color purple, <laughs> but they don't say from the color purple. It's just how long does how long does Celie have to fight? And so yeah, like yeah, all her this life. Yeah. <laughs> so I, hey, oh, wonderful, yeah, yeah. So it's it's amazing. Uh, all right, so I'm coming on. Uh, I would say the last couple of questions here, and. Uh, mm-hmm. We have, well, one more, I would say, official question and then uh, a few rapid fire questions. And uh, yeah, so uh, what would you say have been your top five favorite cities or and or nations that you visited and why? Mm. And maybe you've mentioned some of them already because you've had some great stories mm. about the different places. Right, no, and on the list. <laughs> So, um, okay, let's do five. Okay. Um, I, and it's interesting that a lot of times for me, at least I'm noticing that my earliest experiences tend to make the top five because I feel most, you know, in awe of, of, of the world <laughs> as these, um, yeah, after these experiences. And then after a certain point, I'm like, all right, you know, I don't need to do another festival today. <laughs> But at first, I was very open to, you know, every festival, every temple, every, you know, everything. So India would make the top for sure, um, for sure, from the food, from the invitations into stranger, stranger homes and just the welcoming, welcoming nature of every, everyone that I met, um, you know, for the most part. You know, there are some people who are a little shady, but that I met or came across on my journey. But for the most part, that has given me the most, like, that takes up a lot. It has a, beauty, it has a beautiful little pocket in my memory <laughs> um, from the music and food to sp- and spirituality. Um, and so I would say in this one, an- another would be uh, my time, um, my time in, I would I'm three. <laughs> I'm trying to do both. I'm trying to But my time in Kenya was absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing. For, um, like I said, just picking up a little bit on, like, learning a little bit on the language and um, the people that I met. Um, just the recommendation, like, uh, everyone that I met there for the short time that I was there, just we were able to just meet at a very soul level and 
I feel that I wasn't done with Kenya when I left. I think that the visas were for four, three or four months, and that really wasn't enough time. Then I went to Nairobi, and I went to Mombasa, um, and uh, caught a train to Mombasa. So I was able, like, you know, the train went through some of the national parks, which was amazing because you got elephants running through the park. And I was like, oh, man. And then I found a house-sitting gig there, too, which made that experience all out of this world because I, it happened to be house-sitting for a couple of wildlife documentarians and they live right off of the Nairobi National Park, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we had our little binoculars, we had everything set where we can go to the, go to the balcony and watch the, the giraffes go by, watch them, watch, it was mostly giraffes and it, in buffalo. And we had to be mindful, though, for the cat because, they, you know, the whole, it was a house-sitting gig for their cat, and their cat's job was to pee outside and come right back into the house because MT and Pooh do a little thing, do this thing outside, and then come right back into the house because it can get eaten by pythons. That was a very popular thing in that area <laughs> for the cat to get gobbled up by the pythons. So we would ring the, jiggle the keys for the cat to come back after we give them about, like, five, ten minutes outside to do his, do his duty. That experience, though, was absolutely amazing. And the couple really great. What'd you say? I, I, I just have, I'm, I apologize to interrupt you, but I, I just have to say, initially, when you were describing your experience, I was sold. I was like, this sounds beautiful. <laughs> like, give me that number. <laughs> um, <laughs> until you said Python. And then I was like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> ben. <laughs> We never saw a python, but you know, you just to know that they're there. <laughs> I apologize. Please, please continue. <laughs> That's all good. I feel you, though. I feel you. Because, you know, that's a scary thing. But it was so beautiful because the couple, when they returned, they were grateful for, for um, you know, us watching the cat and, and invited us to go on a, um, into the, the park, the Nairobi National Park, with professional cameras because that's what, you know, they did. They, you know, had professional cameras. So we were able to go into the park and have, like, you know, lunch in the park and just really just, like, we were searching for lions. We didn't see any lions, but we, we saw ostriches. We saw um, uh, uh, buffalo, hippo, uh Tons of giraffes. We saw, and we were able to like actually do professional photography with these um, with these animals. So it was beautiful, a beautiful experience. Saddening because the park is like shrinking because they're building like trains and stuff through it. So you can see that like the animal, the wildlife is gonna, they're losing their home as more property is being built. So that's the sad part of, about like much of the world actually because you see so many everywhere we go construction is everywhere like it's rampant everybody's trying to build their property in these places that was once beautiful but now it's full of houses <laughs> you know so um uh yeah so i would say uh, kenya excuse me, kenya was um that experience was amazing uh, um, so you said India and Kenya, and and I will I will oblige. You can just give me one more, <laughs> one more if you if you have one. 
Mexico. Hands down Mexico. Just hands down. Um, this is just my favorite. I, I love the food here. You know, you're not going to love every culture's food. Um, I had a hard time getting with French food. Maybe I need to try it again. It just wasn't for me when I went. <laughs> but um, it was just, I don't know. I don't know what to try to like it. But out here, I don't have to worry about, you know, that search. That search is not something that's happening. I'm finding beautiful, um, amazing foods on every, on every corner. Um, I love, like, they out here in Guanajuato, like, that's a miner's town, right? So they have a lot of, like, tunnels and um, walkways. And, and one of the meals is enchilada mineras, like the miner's enchiladas. that comes with, like, really, it's like, it comes with <laughs> Chicken and this wonderful, beautiful sauce on it. It's it's um it's an amazing it's an amazing um dish. But there's so many amazing dishes here that I love. I love pozole. Um, I thought that's how you say it, pozole or pozole. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. I just love I love the cuisine. So food is a big part of me liking a culture, and um or liking the, the, uh, being attracted to wanting to return to a culture. Cause my mom cooks like, you know, my mom has always cooked my whole family. I do, you know, so I grew up with a mom who cooked, you know, he cooked for communities. Like she has been the one she cooks for the homeless community now and, and the Lale. like she literally takes her time out of her day, like to, to go to different churches and get the, the meal, get the, you know, different churches give the boxes of food out. She will take that food and repurpose it into meals and then go give those meals out. So every time I go home, that's what me and mom is doing. And um, I, I, I love bringing back my favorite recipes to her. So food is a big part of me enjoying the, the, cult, the, the, the country. So yeah, Mexico, Kenya, and India. So far. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that, so that kind of leads into this, this final, uh, I'll, I'll call it a game. <laughs> I like to call it a little game. Uh, <laughs> a, a few, a few of my favorite things. And so this will be rapid fire questions just based on your insight from the various places that you visited. And so, you know, whatever, whatever comes to mind first, um, whether that's a city or a nation, you can share that. So this this first one, you may have already answered the question, but we shall see. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, mm-hmm. who has the best food? India. And what's, your favorite, <laughs> what's, your favorite, what's your favorite dish from India? I love the dal the ooh, dal, I love the tali in northern there's two at well the other one in a minute. I love the tali for sure. We came with different curries and um the the chapati and you can just roll that chapati up and just dip it in, just dip it in the curry. <laughs> and then I like the Italy awful, which I had for breakfast um pretty regularly when we were staying in a um Billy Tamunado, the, the mother was a chef. And so, you know, she would make Italy for breakfast. And they were like these little, I can't even tell you what they're made of, but they're like these little nice, like 
soft little breads that are rounded. Um, I don't, they're not like cornbread. I'm trying to think of what they would be like, but they, you, they come with a, a chutney or a curry sauce and you just dip those bad boys in there. And we have those for breakfast with chai. And, and that was my, I was going to say my, don't, donut holes. <laughs> they're like donut holes. I, I don't know. I'm just no, trying to no. <laughs> donut holes. No, 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 the texture, but the texture, the texture. Gotcha. And I'm sorry, the first dish, um, can you describe that one a little more like trying to trying to relate it to something that people might understand? The first dish that you mentioned that you said you dip in the curry. Well, this is a while ago. So I'm used to going off of memory, but it was a um it was um a, a tally which comes with different curries, like it can come with um in different and chutneys like maybe three or four, depending on, you know, what restaurant you get it from. And then they just give you um, a bunch of chapatis and they just wrap your chapatis up and you just dip them into the curries. And that was literally what we would do, especially on our budget. We had such a small budget when we were traveling um, in India. And um, we would do that for, we would do that, we would do that for lunch, every, every lunch. That was our main, our main meal. And it may come with more. I just don't like, we would do vegetarian tallies because with with meat it was a little more expensive and every penny counted <laughs> back then because we were living off of savings. But um, but it was amazing. I've never decided to go to be a vegetarian, but if I wanted to, I know that the, there's amazing cuisines out there that can fill me and you know make me feel like I'm eating meat. <laughs> uh, for um, for me to actually live a vegetarian lifestyle. So the tally was pretty amazing. Dope, dope, dope. Okay, so best food you feel is in India. All right. Uh, the best trails or outdoor activities. So it can be biking trails, hiking, walking, what, whatever you feel is. The and, um, which country? Yeah, in which country? Yeah, which country or city? Well, okay. I'm gonna just be keep it recent. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it recent. One of the walks that I like doing now, and I appreciate this walk so much because it's what got me out of my little slump once the pandemic hit and everything shut down. Um, was I started to when I started to walk again? There is a beautiful pathway. It is an uphill climb. Um, to this monument out in Guanajuato City called Tupila. And along the way, there are these gorgeous murals um, and in little pockets where you can stop and rest on a bench and, and have a drink and a snack. Uh, if you bring, so you do want to bring your snack. You do want to bring some water because just stairs upon stairs upon stairs. By the time you get to the top, and you might not know that, you might not feel like you'll ever get to the top. <laughs> By the time you do, the view is gorgeous. And um, there's this monument that has like this, this hand holding his hands up like this, like almost like the feeling like the Rocky Monument in a way. But this guy is like a symbolism that's part of the folklore um, of, of, of the, the culture of Guanajuato for independence. And so by the time you're at the top of this, um, this, this, this hike, the view is gorgeous you can see the entire city and all the brightness and colorful buildings um and the beautiful yellow bright 
cathedral at the heart of of the city. Oh yeah, I think Tequila is an amazing walk for anyone who wants to come and visit at any time Guanajuato City. Which is amazing to visit, period, because right now it's not overrun <laughs> with a bunch of tourists. So you will have like um, it's a very immersive experience. And um, the, the architecture is just amazing. Excellent. And I'm sorry, say the city name one more time in case somebody wants to Google it. Guanajuato City. So it's G-U-A-N-A-J-U-A-T-O. I think that's correct. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. And and if and, and if not, Google Google will get them there. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> exactly. Google is your friend. Great. A few. Uh, let's see. A few more here. Who do you think has the uh, best beach, or where do you think I should say has the best beach? At the time, I would say at the time, Vieques. Vieques in uh, Puerto Rico is like a small island. And, you know, it's like maybe, I don't even remember how long the flight was. It was a very short flight, maybe 20 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, maybe not even that. But from from um, San Juan to Vieques. And those beaches there were so untouched at the time. I know there was a hurricane maybe three years ago. Um, and so I was in touch with some of the people out there and they were still rebuilding building the debt from the damage but i know i know that at the time we went it was a year before the hurricane um those beaches were so raw and untucking there were very few people on those beaches they had little caves and coves green beach was amazing um blue beach is the most popular but it's still amazing <laughs> like if you're gonna see anybody you will see them at green i mean at blue beach um, and if you don't want, if you don't feel comfortable going to one of those private beaches, and you don't know what's over there, and you don't know if you, if you claim, you know, you're a shark or something, you want somebody to be around, then you would go to Blue Beach. But they were beautiful green waters. This is the first time that um, my husband, for he he walked out into the water. I, I was preparing, you know, our little eating area on the beach, and this is the first time that we I saw him ever have whatever kind of experience that he's had where he walked out into water and he walked so far out into this beautiful bluish green water and I didn't know like where, when he was going to stop I didn't know he was going to drop and fall <laughs> I didn't know what was happening but he was having a moment because of the beauty of the space like he walked clear out where like if, if he could have been like it looked like he was at least a mile away from, from being able to walk through the water for that long and it looked amazing it, it was just um I, I don't know I think that because it's so untouched that's what made that experience so magical I don't think very very many people know about know about um those beaches yet at the time they did and I don't know if they now but um and hopefully the beaches are, are okay now you know with the hurricane I'm not sure how much damage they've experienced but those are the best beaches that we've ever 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 seen and had moments just these amazing moments because there's no there's very few beaches where you can go and feel comfortable and there's not a lot of traffic on the beach like that's huge you know there's not a lot of traffic and it's not just like this little 
you know, corner or sliver of a beach. This is a entire beaches. And there's a map when you get there where you can like pick and choose which ones. Green Beach, like I said, was my favorite. It's a little hard to get to <laughs> driving wise. So there's a lot of dim the road. But once you get there, those are some of the best experiences. It's worth it. It's just worth it. Once you get there, it's like, oh my God, where am I? It's like, like paradise. I love, uh, I've been to San Juan before and we did some bike riding and, you know, kind of uh, did, um, what is it, uh, canoeing? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, but anyway, I, I say that to say, I, I would love to explore the, the, um, the additional beaches that you mentioned there as well. And yeah, I'm willing to... Kayaking, <laughs> I think. Um, it was a pretty bad experience for us when we did the kayaking on Vegas because the water is so beautiful it can make you want to do stuff or try stuff that you probably shouldn't be trying. <laughs> you know? and so, so we ended up kayaking and then the waves just got a little bit extra for us and we had to, we kind of got stranded a little bit. It was a whole adventure, okay? Got, got stranded on a, a little beach that we decided, oh, there's a little beach out there. Let's Let's kayak to it. We should have asked questions. We should have, <laughs> we should have, like, you know, really, really surfed the area because we ended up getting stuck there because the waves became a little bit um, too rough for us to, like, get back into the water and get back. And um, But you can have all, it's nice to have all those kinds of experiences if you're traveling with a friend, a partner, whatever, you know, you can figure it out. I mean, that's, that's life. If you're going to explore, that, that's a part of it. Yes, I was with my sister and one of uh, her her friends, or a couple of her friends, actually, and uh, was praying the whole time we were in the water. But we made it out. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so moving on. What do you, what would you say is the most underrated place? Hmm. Underrated. Underrated, hmm. or you know, or as as the the slang term goes, with like which place are people sleeping on? <laughs> hmm. Okay, I think that, um, and I don't know. I can't. I don't know who. Since I'm not super super like on, in social media, I can't say if anyone's sleeping on 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 this place because maybe it's it's um, people know about it, but probably I would say. And I'm biased a bit because I just spent like a year there. Guanajuato. <laughs> I would definitely say Guanajuato. I did not know that like a beautiful city was so close to home, so close to the bay. Like it's right here. <laughs> and I don't see very many tourists here. Literally, like there's very few, like there's not even us and one other black man I see every other day. <laughs> you know, like the it is amazing. The streets light up with these beautiful yellow lanterns at night. You can walk at night. And it's like the Pied Piper, right? Like at night, they have these um, musicians in their um, in this like medieval like uh, attire with their capes. And they're little outfits and they go around with music and they're singing about folktales or, or singing, um, and singing jokes and telling jokes to a group of people. Because um, remember, I said it was like the Alley of the Kiss was a big thing in Guanajuato. So, so on those nights, they get a group of people. I think each person gets a rose. I've never done it, but we live in a location where they were staying right outside of our window. 
every night at 11 p.m. Because, <laughs> you know, they walk people through the, walk through the group through the alleys and um, tell stories and sing songs. You really like the Pied Piper. You see, like, about 100 people following them through these alleys. And the music is beautiful. And it's a very romantic city, um, a city that you could just walk around at night in some parts. Um, and and just enjoy the food, and it's not very touristy right now. I mean, tourists um, tend to be local tourists, like from Mexico City or um, other parts of Mexico. It's gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. Cobblestone Street, multicolored homes. Um, yeah, yeah. I would say I would. Say, and the food has been amazing so far. So far, the food has been absolutely amazing. Wonderful cafes. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Guanajuato, just knowing that, that's why I can't wait to bring my mom out here because it's so close to home, you know? <laughs> and I don't have to fly halfway across the world to, like, experience this. Look. And then there's a view of the mountains. Like, it's just, it's beautiful. It's in central Mexico. Awesome. Well, you you definitely sold me on it. <laughs> come out, girl. Definitely come out. I got one other friend coming um probably in a two round time that my mom will be coming so yeah we are here we're probably going to be here for the rest of the year so if you are interested <laughs> we will be here after that 2022 we're probably gonna hit the road again awesome well i might i might take you up on that but first <laughs> uh let's see um okay i have uh just three more uh, you know, in, in this, in this, uh, this game of a few of my favorite things. Okay. So where, which city or nation do you think has the best accommodations? Hmm. I have, it's interesting because as a house sitter, I've been lucky now to make sure I, you go have a good accommodation because I found, you know, I found a place that I want to stay in. Obviously, it's free accommodation, and that that is that can can be the best, depending, depending, um, but on what kind of animals you have. But I feel like for Airbnb, for instance, um, I have had the best experiences here in Mexico, um, and also in. There's a lot of great great ones in Thailand. And um, that's been my experience so far. But, um, you know, it kind of changes depending on how much you're, I'm willing to spend. I'm willing to spend a little bit more now than I was back then when I was new. You know, when I was in Thailand, I was very new to travel, so I could stay in guest houses. I probably won't do that now. Because I don't want to fight the Wi-Fi and I don't want to like deal with a bunch of younger young backpackers who, you know, like, you know, party time. So I'm not I'm not there anymore. So I'm willing to pay a little bit more. And but I think that like for out here in Mexico, you can find a really good apartment for a month for um four fifty, five hundred out here in, in Guanajuato. Um it's more expensive in areas where there are more tourists, like on San Miguel de Allende and Puerto Vallarta. But we still were able to find something, I think, for $600 um, in Puerto Vallarta at the time. So, um, and this is a month, because if you stay longer periods of time, then you, you can have, have a, you'll get a better rate. Sometimes the rate is cut in half if you're staying for a month. Yeah. Wow. That's great insight. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and who do you think, uh, or where I should say, where do you think uh, has the best cityscape? <laughs> mm, okay, um, cityscape. Okay, I would say Guanajuato again. <laughs> I'll say Guanajuato again. I enjoyed. Um, Oh, I enjoyed my view in uh, Paris, which was which was. Uh, I mean, that's an obvious choice. I know obvious answer. I know, but um, but I would say for little known Guanajuato for sure, um, and you know what? And I really enjoyed going back to India. I really enjoyed the cityscape of I think it was Jodhpur. Where it was a blue city, and it, it, it the whole city was blue, and I really enjoyed seeing and being being in that being in that space. Yeah, I think that if you just look out and see that all of the buildings are blue, that's pretty fascinating. That everyone can coordinate, or it can be coordinated in this way. Um, that feels a bit magical. That that there's like a collective idea that that people are continuing to uphold in that space, in that city. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Okay, so here is the last one. Hmm. Where where do you think um, has the the most beautiful landscape? Hmm. I would say so far for the most beautiful landscape has been in Austria. Um, I did a house gig in the green heart of Austria, very small village. We were the only black people in the village. Like the main thing in the village was archery. Like that's what you do. You do archery in Simriak. And there was hiking, like hiking trails. So like that's the number one thing in that city is the hiking and the archery. And the, 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 um, the city, or not the city, but the landscape was absolutely stunning. Like you, You've never seen so many like beautiful, like beautiful green hills, and you can see the little trails, little pathway or walkways, or very far out. And um, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, I guess. And, and and the cities were so small. I mean, the the town was so small that um, there's just little clusters of shops that you can see from like miles away like because it's all this land and it's just green and farmland also so I feel like that was the most beautiful experience especially if you like to walk that was the most beautiful experience that that I had where I can look and see a destination that's miles out and walk to it and walk to that destination safely without the fear of like you know wolves or anything coming to eat me it was it was it was really that was pretty amazing. And then there's a path, there's signs that tell you the you know walking trails because that's literally what the city is for is to to walk around. And that's the the main attraction if you ever visit it, and just to walk around and you know, hike. Excellent. Well, Miss Asia Nichols, uh, the Nomad. <laughs> that is- that, those are all of my questions. Do you have uh, a way for people to, to stay connected to your website so they can follow all of your writing and artistic journey? Yeah, 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 I do. Um, well, 
it's in the making. I'm in the process of work or updating it, but um, the website is asianichols.com, and I will be posting more information on the latest projects that I'm working on, working on a film project, um, an anthology film project, and some plays that have been produced. I'm, I'm posting more of those up too. And in this pandemic, definitely getting into more visual arts, hands-on creation, because just to sit and write and stare at the screen could be exhausting sometimes. So I started playing with paints and and um, and sculpting. So we'll see what happens with that also. But yeah, and 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 if I if you're interested in learning the house sitting, I'll, I'm sure at some point I'll start. Some points soon. I'm looking to start um, coaching, so I invite anyone who's interested because I'll do a trial run with few people who are excited about it, and you know, see how it goes. So you can hit me up there. So again, it's AsianNichols.com. And Asia, I just have to say, I know you're originally from California, but I think that your your mom gave you the perfect name. It's like prophetic. She named you Asia. <laughs> <laughs> you are a, a, a round girl abroad just brought that to life and so it's it's been um so much fun chatting with you and hearing your stories and your insights and thank you so much for being part of brown girl radiance nation thank you so much for inviting me and and, and i really and i hope that things that i shared is helpful to to the nation and really appreciate you for doing everything that you're doing it's an amazing talk Appreciate you. Well, yeah. thank you. And uh, we will we will chat again soon. Absolutely. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Brown Girl Radiance Podcast, please share it with a friend so that we can continue to celebrate and shine together. Brown Girl Radiance podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, CastBox, iHeartRadio, and Pandora. If you want to stay connected to Brown Girl Radiance podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Brown Girl Radiance podcast. You can feel free to email me at Brown Girl Radiance podcast at gmail.com.